0: Isn't it awesome to see the church at work again and ministries happening and plans being made. Isn't that good? You guys not excited about that? You just hear. It's good. It's good. These are incredible things happening. And uh, I don't know, maybe you kind of like me, maybe you had some plans fall through recently. I don't know. Have you had any plans fall through recently? Maybe a little too soon to rip off that Band-Aid. I I don't know. But yeah, of course, of course we've had plans fall through. Everything is changing. You can't get a plan to stick these days. Some of the big plans, you know, our family, we canceled a vacation. And uh, (laughs) hopefully we can take it at some point. But we also canceled both of our kids' birthday parties this summer. That was kind of a bummer. But we did figure out some creative ways to actually make some memories and celebrate the birthdays, but we gotta get creative, right? We've gotta get creative these days, no matter what we're doing. And hats off to teachers and uh, administrators who are making school happen right now. And also you parents who are making school <laughs> happen right now. Yeah, hats off to you guys. Even with school starting this week, it's, plans are changing. And kind of every day we wake up going, okay, what's well, gonna be different today? And uh, let, me, church, just, let me tell you, you know, people are asking what's the plan if this happens and what's the plan if that happens. Let's just be people of grace and prayer because if we've learned anything in the last six months, it's that the plan is going to change, right? The plan's going to change. You know, church has also been different for the past few months. It's not what we're used to. It's not the way it used to be. Maybe you've caught yourself saying that recently. But let me tell you. This pandemic certainly was a disruption to church. But I truly believe that it doesn't have to be a setback. It was a disruption for sure. But it doesn't have to be a setback. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. This may be the greatest opportunity for us to show Jesus to the world that we've ever had. You know, this season has kind of sent me to my knees a lot in prayer just asking God to help me as a leader and pastor to say, what do we do and what are we doing next, God? What's, what's the plan? How are we supposed to process all this, make decisions? And this prayer led me to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, if you don't know and are familiar, is the story of the beginning of the local church. It's how the local church came to life and began to change the world for Jesus. And for 2000 years almost, The local church under the Lordship of Jesus Christ has not only survived, but thrived through many global pandemics, through persecution, you name it. The local church survives. Why? It's because God has a plan. In fact, I wondered if God might want to speak to us through the book of Acts about how we can really lock into what he wants to do through us as a local church. And sure enough, it turns out God enacted A perfect plan for the church that stood the test of time. It's never been changed. It's never been canceled. Isn't that refreshing? So what is the plan? Well, I want to show you today God's plan for the church in the Bible, in the book of Acts, chapter 2. So turn with me to chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And we're going to pick up the story here. Just give you a little context while you turn there or flip there open there on your device The context is we're 50 days after the time that Jesus was wrongfully accused, arrested, and then died on a cross. We're 47 days after the miraculous resurrection of Jesus Christ from the tomb. And we're just mere days after the, another incredible, maybe even underrated miracle, the ascension of Jesus, where he literally ascended to heaven right before the, the apostles' eyes, right? They were stunned. How does this happen? But having done that, he had just instructed them on what was to happen next. They were to wait and to pray for the next step, which would be the coming spirit of God. So... If you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, whether you're here on the Longview campus, whether you're in Marshall, which by the way, shout out to my friends in Marshall. If you don't know me, it's where I normally serve. I'm your Marshall campus pastor. It's a privilege to be here with you today. I'm missing my friends over there, but glad to be here with you today. Uh, Shout out to our Billy Moore campus also who's watching and anybody who's worshiping with us online. So glad you guys are here with us. Let's read together in the book of Acts, chapter two, verses one through four. You can follow along as I read, says... When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Thanks. You guys can have a seat. God's plan for the church. God's plan for the church is spirit-filled people. That's it. It's never been canceled, it's never been changed. God's plan for the church is spirit-filled people. And if you are a follower of Jesus, let me hear just rephrase it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are God's plan for the church. You're God's plan. God didn't give us a specific list of programs or systems and structures that all churches have to follow. He didn't say build it on theologians or governments. No, God said, I want to personally inhabit and indwell the lives of my followers in a life-changing and ever-growing relationship. So that as a church, we follow Jesus as Lord, moved by the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father to accomplish his purpose. That's the plan for the church, spirit-filled people. And even in the midst of our cultural upheaval, we can see the church thrive. I wonder, have you seen the church thrive in the last six months? if that causes a little tension in your heart, what I want you to start to do is to look inside and say, if God lives in me and God works through me, what's my role in seeing the church thrive? Because God is still at work. He's never stopped, that's never changed. It's never been canceled. God is at work and His plan is spirit-filled people. So we ought to see the church thriving. Even in cultural upheaval. And the first part of that is that, yes, God's Holy Spirit lives in every Christian, every single one of us. Every Christian is spirit filled. It doesn't matter what denomination you are, it doesn't matter what worship style you engage with. The Bible teaches that faith in Jesus initiates the Spirit of God in dwelling your heart, your life, for every believer. The Apostle Paul kind of confirms this truth in Romans chapter eight, verse 10 through 11. It says, If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, God is in you. He's not just here. He's not just everywhere. God is in you. Let me give you a little context about what was happening here in the book of Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost was a, a celebration that had been happening already for centuries that was a celebration of the Feast of Weeks. It's kind of encompassed in this idea of the, this festival of weeks or harvest. And it was a celebration of this agricultural harvest. And then later on in Judaism, it actually became a remembrance of the time that Moses as the leader for, in the Exodus, ventured up to Mount Sinai to meet with God, right? Just one man, a leader, ventured up to meet with God, met with God, came down with the law and gave the law to the people. And that was how God interfaced with his people. This Pentecost, God flipped the script, which he tended to do. You think about how even in the life of Jesus, the Jewish people expected a, a military leader, a warrior, someone who would overthrow the Romans. But you remember he sent Jesus humble in a manger who would serve and lead and change the world. And so God flipped the script and instead of, us venturing up the mountain to meet God. Hopefully, maybe some of us. No, God came down and entered into all of us. And then we're not just celebrating our agricultural harvest anymore. In this moment, on this Pentecost, God came down, inhabited his people so that a spiritual harvest could happen. And we'll read about that in the rest of Acts chapter two, which started this fire that lasts all the way to today. A spiritual harvest that's taking place, that was Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came to continue the work of Jesus Christ in our salvation. That's what he does and any person, any of us who trust Jesus for salvation, have the Holy Spirit in us. That's the significance of Acts chapter two, verse three. I don't know if you stopped and kind of raised your eyebrow at that, but verse 3 is the verse that says, they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and then rested on each one of them. And if you're a normal person in the room, you probably stop and go, tongues of fire? What? What is the Bible talking about? And you might get hung up there, but I want to just encourage you not to get hung up there because the Bible has all kinds of things that we can't necessarily explain. But what's repeated throughout the Bible isn't the idea of tongues of fire, it's not this miraculous, visible sign of transformation. Uh, It's actually what's repeated in the Bible is normal people, just like the apostles and just like you and me, being unbelievably miraculously transformed by God through the empowering of the Holy Spirit without visible miraculous signs so the most important phrase in verse 3 and the truth that God wants you to discover is not something about this unbelievable visible miracle it's that God comes to live in each one of us that's the phrase each one do you believe it do you believe that God himself has come to live in you That's the truth to discover today. My experience, by the way, and yours probably too, uh, in my receiving of the Holy Spirit, was not nearly as dramatic as the apostles that day at Pentecost. But that doesn't make it any less definite. Because the Spirit of God is not a feeling. It's not a premonition. And by the way, church, it's not even something you have to ask for. The spirit of God is a gift for every person who would believe in Jesus Christ for salvation that's given to them at the moment their faith begins. It's incredible. You know, during the pandemic, I uh, got into a muscle car restoration show. Anybody into that? Kind of sucked me in. I watched a whole season in a few weeks and uh, I'm not a car guy though, so... Those of you who are or car girls, you know, don't come up to me after this and try to tell me about your muscle car. I I won't know what you're talking about really, but I'm hooked by the transformations because they start in these shows with a dead car. It's just, I mean, there's like no doors, there's no glass in it. There's nothing you would think, no seats. I mean, it's all rusted out and broken down and you would think there's no way that car is coming back to life. It's just out there in a field, rusting away, trees growing through it. You know, it's like they live in East Texas or something. And the cars are dead. And then the way they start is not by looking and going, well, there's not enough material here or there's too rusted. No, they start going, can we get this thing to run? Can we fire it up? Is the motor going to work? Is the transmission gears going to turn? And almost every single time, as the drama unfolds the show, they end up having to replace the engine and the transmission, the motor, just about every time. This is what happens. And so they put these brand new parts in these old rusted out cars. And and, uh, you got this shiny new engine and all this new wiring and big transmission in there. And it's ready to, it's just ready to run, you know, but it still lacks one thing, fuel. And and I mean, just good old boy fashion, they've got like a Coke bottle with a little hole poked in the top filled with gasoline. And they open up the hood and they open up the carburetor on these old cars and they start squirting some fuel in there, right? While one guy's in there cranking the ignition, one guy's squirting fuel. And at some moment, this thing, this just monster of a muscle car just, oh man, it just comes alive, and if you're watching it, you hear it and you can almost sense the power through the TV. It's whoa, 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 I didn't see that coming. I did, but I didn't, you know, it's like you see the power and it comes to life. And this is what God does in us. You see, God takes spiritually helpless and dead people, dead in sin, just like us, and makes us alive again through Jesus Christ, reborn, restored, And fueled by the never ending and never failing power, power of the Holy Spirit. So that we're up and running. So that things start happening. So that people who are on looking and watching will sense the power in our lives. God in you. Ezekiel had a vision. You remember this in the Old Testament? Ezekiel, the Old Old Testament prophet, had a vision. And he saw, he saw people uh, who had long been gone and their bones had been piled and dried out in a valley. And I'm a 90s kid, so I think about the elephant graveyard in the Lion King. If you just draw an ima- a mental image to your brain, uh, except human bones. And this is what Ezekiel saw. And these bones are just in piles on the ground in this dark valley. But what he sees is, The breath of God, which by the way, in Hebrew is the same word for spirit, the breath of God blows through that valley. And what happens is these piles of bones that are just dead and dried up, they start kind of rattling and clanking together and then they start moving and coming up and this incredible image that he's seeing is they form skeletons and ligaments and muscles start wrapping around them and flesh appears and they've got organs in them and the breath of God fills their lungs and these people come to life and God speaks through Ezekiel in chapter 37 of Ezekiel to the people of Israel who are living in exile. And he says this in Ezekiel 37, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. You'll live. The Holy Spirit isn't a level up for spiritual elite The Holy Spirit isn't a spiritual high that you might experience the ups and downs of a spiritual high. That's not it at all. You see, God has always wanted to be with us. It's in his character. It's how he's played things out for the history of the world. You see, even at the Garden of Eden, the presence of God was with Adam and Eve. And even after the fall of man, you look at the people of Israel, the presence of God was with them on their wilderness journey through the Ark of the Covenant. Fast forward all the way past the Valley of Dry Bones and exile and all the way to Jesus, our Messiah, whose name, by the way, was Emmanuel God with us all the way through Jesus's life ministry on earth to the end of his days when he stood before his disciples after having been resurrected and he gave them the great commission which by the way ends with the phrase what I will be with you till the end this is God's heart he came at Pentecost he's here through the pandemic and his Holy Spirit is evidence of his proven character it's 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 the fulfillment of his promise. And it's the continuation of his purpose. His spirit in you is the plan. God's spirit in you is the plan for the church. The car analogy, by the way, breaks down. Every analogy does. But this one in particular breaks down because you own your car. The Bible teaches, though, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul writes this, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. You see, God purchased your salvation through Jesus. God lives in you through the Holy Spirit. And now God is ready to put you to work for his purposes and glory by the Holy Spirit's power. So that we, even in cultural upheaval, can see the church thrive. The second thing that you got to realize and understand, discover, and own today is that God's Holy Spirit not only lives in every Christian, but works through every Christian. One of the most poignant moments in my discipleship was about 12 years ago. I was at a collegiate ministry conference, and one of the preachers was talking about how God, uh, you know, is at work around us. That's very true, and for a long time, i wanted to see God at work. I wanted the church to grow. I wanted to see people being baptized. I wanted to see, that was good for me, right? But there was something different when that preacher said that God longs to work through you. And that just kind of hit a little different. I thought, man, that's true. I do want to see good things happening, and God at work around me. But am I ready for what God longs for, which is to work through me? The truth is he wants to. And we see this happening in Acts chapter 2. So here's a couple of ways we see it working. We see how the Spirit unites us on mission. You see, every Christian is meant to play a vital role in the life of the church. And in chapter 2, verse 1, we see that the apostles were all together in one place. But notice they weren't waiting on God to do something outside the walls. I don't know that they fully understood what was happening. But what didn't happen is The apostles waiting in the room and in prayer while God did some miracle outside the walls so that at some point they could emerge and go, is it safe? Can we talk about our faith? Can we be Christians still in this culture? Did God do enough out here for us to feel comfortable? That's not what happened at all. God came in the room with the people, transformed their lives with a miraculous empowering of the Holy Spirit, which broke them out of the walls and sent them on mission. It's the Spirit of God that unites us in mission. So when the Apostle Paul describes the church in 1 Corinthians, he describes it as a body. You know, we talked about the bones, right, and dry bones. Paul picks this image up and he describes the church as a body with many parts and all who are interdependent on each other. They need each other to function. But while he's describing that, he goes on to say in chapter 12, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians this, We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. We were all given one spirit to drink. We're a part something bigger because the spirit unites us now the pandemic gave us some interesting language and an interesting new phrase uh Cam, i don't know if you've heard it maybe you said it i don't know i've said it the phrase is this watching church you heard it you said it watching church Right, because we all went to church online. It was what we had to do. We made that pivot. And this by, by no means is a criticism of that. We've got people who need to be home right now watching church online. But probably what they're really doing is worshiping online with us. There are people over in Marshall right now watching this message, but they're worshiping with us. And the reality is even that before the pandemic, our worship centers were full of people. And some of those people, church, were just watching church. They were here, but not really a part of what God was doing. It's not a criticism, but I want you to see and feel the tension a little bit because God wants to work through you. First 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul actually goes on to teach about how the Spirit unites us and gifts us to be part of the local church, the body of Christ. And then there's three interesting groups that he names there at the end of chapter 12. He says these groups are actually really important, and you ought to treat them very like they're very important. It's the group who are the weaker, the group who are the less respectable, and the group who are the less honorable and they actually have a role in the church. What is he talking about? I want you to hear church that no matter who you are, what your stature or what your position is in the world, I want to know, I want you to know church that no matter how you view yourself today, the church needs you. You are the plan For the church, because God's Holy Spirit is living in you and at work through your life. So will you be a part and allow him to do something, maybe beyond your natural ability through your life? Or will you be content just to watch? And I would just encourage you, church, if we'll get in this Rhythm, where the Spirit works through our lives, this will be a place where the church thrives, even in cultural upheaval. But you know what? The Spirit also empowers our message. We've got a message to tell. And in chapter 2, it describes how the Spirit empowered and spoke through, enabling each one of them to speak in these various languages. They were sharing the gospel in languages they had never learned to speak. And people outside were hearing the gospel in their own native tongue. It's an incredible miracle. The word tongue, we've already talked about, kind of caught us off guard, tongues of fire. Uh, that, may, that may catch you off guard. You may have heard other things about tongues in the New Testament. And I just want to encourage you this week on the Extra Point podcast, we're going to address and bring some clarity to this idea of tongues in the New Testament. And what that means as it shows up. So that's just an extra point for another time. But What does that mean for now? How can you apply this to today? Well, simply think, I think that even beyond dialects, even beyond uh, the languages we speak, we actually speak languages of cultures and subcultures, and we have a very diverse group of languages that we speak. And I'm not talking about English or other languages. I'm talking about the language of sports, the language of politics, the language of the left, the language of the right, the language of academia. And there's people that we just don't ever feel like we're communicating with because we just kind of speak different cultural languages. But here's how it lands for you today. If the Spirit's at work in your life, you can boldly share the gospel with them without fear of misunderstanding because it's the Holy Spirit that brings the understanding. He does a miracle through you and in them. And so what if this week you thought about someone in your life that you know you try to talk about politics, you try to talk about sports, you try to talk about school, whatever it is, family, and you always hit a brick wall. And you stop and you just go, I could never tell them about Jesus because they won't listen to anything. What if you prayed for the Holy Spirit of God to work through you and say, I'm gonna boldly step out and tell this person about Jesus Christ and pray that God would go beyond that wall that gets built up between us and he'll allow them to understand in a miraculous way And comprehend and believe what could God possibly do through your life? And when we do that, church, the church will continue to thrive. Because no matter who you are, no matter who you encounter, God wants to accomplish something through you. He wants to accomplish his work through you. And because the Holy Spirit of God is in you, you are his plan. One final thing that Acts 2 unfolds is this unbelievable story of just 120 spirit-filled people who break out of this room that they had been in and begin to share the gospel and end up leading in this first chapter of the existence of the local church, about 3,000 people to faith in Jesus Christ who would follow in believer's baptism. Incredible, incredible miracle. In fact, that would have been an awesome exclamation point on that story, wouldn't it? 3,000 people, we led to Christ and baptized. Thank you very much. We'll see you later. That's the end. Have a great day. No, that's not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning because when spirit-filled people see God at work through them, they begin to sacrificially commit to see that work continue. In fact, probably you felt this. You've had a longing to be back here at church in person. Even those worshiping with us at home today probably have that sense of longing. Like, I just am ready to be back. If you've come back in person, you've probably felt the relief and the joy of being back with the people of God. That's the spirit at work in your life because God's spirit inspires us to community. And this is the story that plays out after this incredible miracle of God is God's Spirit inspiring the apostles to community. So they started together, they scattered on mission, but they continually came back together. And in chapter two, verse forty-two and following, we see what the apostles' response was to the work of God at the onset of the church. It was this: it was deeper discipleship. They were devoted not only to discipleship but also to one another. They had deeper relationships. They had unmatched generosity. Nobody in the world, in the history of the world, has ever been able to come close to the kind of generosity that was on display when the church of Jesus Christ was born. What I want you to see today, though, and talk about this more in your connect groups because you're going to have an opportunity there to study this verse and passage in a deeper way. What I want you to see is that the organization of the church is not what caused the move of God. The move of God wasn't a response to the organization of the church, but the church organized was the response of spirit-filled people to the move of God. So as much as we love getting together, being here in person, longing for more people to come gather with us in person to get like maybe the way it was before, what would happen if if we allow the Spirit of God to work through us? If we saw something happen like happened in Acts chapter 2, how much more joy might we experience? Because when spirit-filled people see the work of God, then we start to organize more. And we get to sacrificially commit and experience that deeper discipleship and and devoted connection with one another, this community, this generosity. Because you and I filled with the Holy Spirit. We are God's plan for the church. We are. And as he works in the world through the local church, he's going to do it through you and through me. Our world is constantly changing. But if we would allow God's spirit to work through us by God's grace, we can be a church that changes the world for Jesus. That can happen. I wanna invite our worship leaders back to the platform and this is gonna be happening on every campus and worship leaders coming back and I wanna lead us in prayer. And when I close in prayer, I wanna give you a chance to respond to today's message. I hope you're making this discovery about the Holy Spirit's role in your life and there's so much more to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit that we can cover, but I just wanna help you make a practical response today after we pray and even if you're worshiping online, stick with us and make a response today to the word of God. Because the promise is that God's word won't return to him void. He wants to do something. He wants you to be on a trajectory toward him. So as Nate begins to play a little bit, I just wanna lead us in prayer and then we'll give a time response. Pray with me. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you are alive in us. That you gifted us and, and empowered us to be a part of your work, that you wanna work through us, but not only just to use us, but to be with us in relationship, to comfort us in our need, to guide us when we're moving forward in life. God, to help us as we figure out this world, your spirit is there for those reasons, to, even to give us understanding, God, we thank you that you wanna have that kind of relationship with us. And we pray that as we embrace this idea that God, your spirit is at work in us, at this church, churches across our land, would thrive even in a difficult time. The good news of Jesus is for everyone, God, and we pray that everyone would come into that life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ through our influence. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.